Chapter 11. Friday, June 7, 1776. There is nothing more necessary than good intelligence to frustrate a designing enemy, and nothing requires greater pains to obtain. That's a letter of George Washington to Robert Morris. It felt like Becky shook me awake the moment I fell asleep. Make haste, girl, she hissed. You didn't start the fire. Why are you, all, why are you still abed? Haste was the word of the day. No matter how hard I tried, I couldn't catch up. It did not help that Madame was in a mood. Girl, she said to me as I prepared to sweep the kitchen floor. The bedding needs to be aired. Yes, ma'am. I set the broom back in its place and went upstairs where I stripped off the bedding, carried it outside, and pegged it to the line. Just as I finished, Madame opened the back door. Why are you dawdling so, she yelled. The floor in here is filthy, and the banister needs to be polished, and I told you to wear your shoes in my house. After I squeezed my feet into those small, dreadful shoes, it was back to the sweeping, and then the polishing of the banister with soft rags and beeswax scented with lemon. When I made it halfway up the stairs, Madame yelled at me for airing the bed linen on a day that threatened rain. At least she did not call for Ruth's company. Becky had set my sister to scrubbing the back steps. Ruth's hummed so loudly it put me in mind of a swarm of bees and clover. As I gathered in the sheets, I watched the gate, waiting for the rebels to arrive to arrest the Locktons and reward me with our liberty. We would be given proper cabins on the ship, I was sure of it. No more riding in the hold with barrels of salt cod. Ruth and me would have a cabin fit for ladies with bunks and blankets and pillows and three meals every day. Yes, indeed, that was my future. Aren't you done yet? Becky yelled from the back door. We have to prepare the drawing room. I shook away my daydreams. The drawing room on the second floor wasn't a room where folks sat with paints and colored chalk to draw pictures like I'd figured. It was another parlor, three times the size of the one downstairs. We removed the sheets covering the furniture. A dozen chairs with needlework seats were scattered around the room. Organized around tables with delicate legs, a low settee stood in front of the fireplace, and a mirror-framed mahogany hung above the mantel, flanked by oil lamps fastened to the walls. Why this room has to be prepared is beyond me, Becky muttered as we folded the sheets together. No staff to speak of, the, the larder half empty, the city getting ready to explode, and she wants this turned out and polished of all the foolish. A loud beating on the front door interrupted her. Dash it all, Becky exclaimed as she clattered down the stairs. Keep folding, she called to me. Not for love nor money, I peered out a front window. The group of men clustered on the front steps did not look like angels, but they could have been in disguise. Four wore the coats, breeches, breeches, powdered wigs, and hats of merchants. One had papers tucked under his arms. Six soldiers stood behind them, all wearing uniforms, but carrying long metal bars instead of guns. Becky opened the door and the men filed inside. I stepped out onto the, into the hall and peered down the stairs. The man with the papers under his arm had removed his hat. It was Master Bellingham. My heart sang. A door slammed overhead as Madame flew out of her chamber. What is the meaning of this? I pressed myself against the wall so she could rush by me, then followed her down the stairs. The soldiers had split into two groups. Half went into the front parlor and the other half into Lockton's library. Both groups set to removing the windows, prying them out of their casings with long bars. What are you doing to my windows? Madame demanded. Bellingham approached her. No need to fret, ma'am. We are all we are all called to make sacrifices. Sacrifices? Master Lockton asked as he hurried in. This is thievery. What right have you to destroy my home? There was a horrific crash in the parlor as the hooks that held up the heavy draperies flew off the wall and landed on the floor. 
Plaster dust swirled. Bellingham removed the papers under his arm. You surprise me, Elihu, he said. I thought a patriot such as yourself would welcome the chance to contribute to the army. Beads of sweat stood at the edge of Lockton's wig. How does that pertain to the ripping down of my house, James? Bellingham patted Lockton's shoulder. We need your lead, friend, for ammunition. Good people throughout the city are donating all the lead they own. The Provincial Congress will compensate you, of course, in due time. I've invoices prepared, Madam frowned. How is it possible to turn windows into bullets? The counterweights are made of lead, ma'am, Bellingham explained, and your drapery pulls. This is an outrage, Lockton fumed. No, Elihu, Bellingham said, this is war. Even our churches are making the sacrifices, delivering their bells to be recast as cannon. Surely you do not rate your home above the houses of God. The soldiers left the library, deposited the lead weights by the front door, and headed up to the second floor, knocking their shoulders against the paintings of Lockton ancestors that lined the staircase. I wanted to shout that they should search for the money in the linen chest. Instead, I shrank against the wall to let them pass. They haven't restored the windows to the frames, protested Lockton. Where are they going? Madam asked. There are plenty of carpenters who will assist with the windows if you don't feel up to the task yourself, Bellingham said. Sir, shouted a soldier upstairs, we found it. Bellingham dropped his manners and bounded up the stairs two at a time. Madam and Lockton followed close on his heels. I trailed behind. The bedchamber was a large room made small by the four-poster canopy bed that sat as high as a carriage, two massive armoires, and a half-dozen men with red faces. Madame had once again set herself on her walnut linen chest, which sat in front of the hearth. Why was it up here? Of all the insults, of all the assaults on the dignity of a woman, she said to Bellingham, this, sir, is the lowest, the most base. I shall see to it that every leader in every land knows. Bat, mm, sorry. Madam, Bellingham said sternly, if you do not take your person from that chest, I shall order these soldiers to remove you. You would not dare, she said. Yes, he would, dear, Lockton said. Please, wife, let these men do their work with no further delay. There is nothing to worry about. He seemed to hide a message beneath those words, for Madam relaxed some and stood with grace. If you insist, husband, she said. Perhaps you would prefer to go below stairs, Lockton suggested. The girl can heat some wine to calm your nerves. Madam shook her head. No, dear, I shall remain by your side. Bellingham gave the sergeant a quick nod. The men knelt in front of the chest and opened the latch. Deliverance. They'll arrest them both and reward me mightily. He'll have this hard place by sunset. One corner of Lockton's mouth turned up in a sly smile as a blushing soldier removed the shifts and underskirts. My heart skipped a beat. Why were dirty linen still in there? Becky gathered all the washing yesterday. The soldier looked up at Bellingham. That's all, sir. Clear down to the bottom. I wanted to shout. The money is underneath the false bottom. But pressed my lips together. Bellingham knelt and checked for himself, knocking the wooden sides. Lockton's grin had spread to both sides of his mouth. Would you care to inspect all of our clothing, James? Perhaps you'd send a man to root through the potatoes and parsnips in the cellar. He had hidden the money elsewhere. That's why he was at ease. Bellingham rose to his feet and stood with his hands behind him. Would he turn on me, accuse me of making a false report, and expose me to Lockton's? No. He searched through the papers until he pulled out one that he handed to Lockton. You were summoned to the New York Provincial Congress for suspicion of aiding the enemy, Elihu. I am placing you under arrest. These soldiers will escort you. He nodded his head. Two soldiers grabbed Lockton by his elbows. His smile vanished. Wait, 
Madame said. You can't arrest him. He's done nothing. To the contrary, ma'am, Bellingham snapped. He has put the lives of thousands in jeopardy. The men fouled by without another word. Bellingham kept his face straight ahead, but as he passed by, he cut his eyes at me. They drilled a hole right into the fear of discovery. There was the clatter of boots on the stair treads, then boots on the marble steps outside, and then the crash of the front door slamming. They were gone. Madame stared blankly at the empty doorway. Ma'am, I asked quietly. Her eyes turned to me, then she blinked as if she suddenly realized who I was and where she stood. Don't just stand there, girl. These linens need to be washed, and I can't think how Becky missed them. I shall speak to her about her laziness. And then she fainted.